to DTC Pod, where we take you behind the wheel with the best founders and operators of consumer brands. You'll learn the ins and outs of business from setting up shop, hitting your first million, scaling past eight figures, and even navigating an exit. As founders ourselves, our goal is to help you learn from the best as you build. Visit us at DTCPod.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter, join our founder community, and find additional resources from every episode. DTC Pod is brought to you by Trend, the creative solution for your brand. Go to trend.io to access thousands of creators for content needs such as product photography, unboxing videos, or even TikTok and IG organic creative. Use the code DTCPOD10 for 10% off your next content purchase. Are you curious how much your business is worth? Get your free no obligation offer from OpenStore at open.store. The subscription market is predicted to grow nearly $500 billion by 2025. Recharge is the leading subscription management solution, helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale their subscription offerings. Over 15,000 merchants use subscriptions powered by Recharge to grow their business and their communities by increasing average order value, reducing churn, and providing predictable recurring revenue. Turn transactions into long-term customer relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Check them out at rechargepayments.com forward slash DTCPod. What's up, DTC Pod? Today we're joined by Allegra Shaw and Sharin Sultani, who are the founders of Uncle Studios. Uh, so guys, I'll let you guys kick, kick us off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves, your background, and what you're building with Uncle Studios? Sure. Um, I'm Allegra Shaw. I am a well, I, I am a full-time content creator um, and the co-founder of Uncle Studios. Um, I make YouTube videos. I do TikTok. I do Instagram. I do all the things. Um, and I co- we co-founded Uncle Studios at the end of 2017, which we'll obviously get into, but uh, Shrin and I have been friends for, oh my God, like over 10 years now. Um, and yeah, we started the brand together. So I'll let Shrin introduce herself. Um, hi guys, I'm Shrin. Um, I'm also one of the co-founders of Uncle Studios. And um, like Allegra spoke, uh, we started this thing about five years ago. And, um, you know, building a business with a friend has had its challenges, especially in the content uh, creator realm, but it's been a lot of fun and uh, we're really excited about what we're building and it's really community focused and we've been learning a lot on our journey. So we're happy to be on the channel today and kind of shed some light on what we're doing here. No, that's amazing. And I think maybe what we can do is we can start off, we can kind of set context in terms of like how Allegra, maybe how you got started as a creator and then moving from that into saying like, oh, I want to start a business with one of my friends who I've known and trusted for a while and then being able to start Uncle Studio. So why don't you take us back uh, a little bit before? How'd you get your start as a creator? What you know platforms were you creating on and what did growth look like uh, for what you were doing? Sure. Yeah. So I actually started making YouTube videos back in 2011. Um, I was definitely one of the like, f- not like first creators, but on YouTube, there was very, there wasn't a lot going on. Um, I started YouTube pretty much because I was like, I mean, as most of us do not having like the best time in high school. And, um, I was just finishing high school and, you know, I just couldn't really find my place. I saw people, some people making these like fashion and uh, like beauty videos. And I was just like, okay, like I think I can do this. Like I, I like fashion, I like beauty, like I'm just gonna do it. So I started and then I did it as a hobby for a long time. Um, well, like into university and even past university. 
And then when I came out of university, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have a history degree. <laughs> What's my job going to be? And I was like, okay, like, I think I could do this full time. My mom gave me like a year to sort it out and to live at home. And she's like, okay, but in a year you need to like, you know, get your shit together and move out. And if you, if this doesn't work out for you, you need to like actually find a job. I was like, all right, I can do this in a year. And so I started putting out, um, videos very consistently three times a week. I started taking it like very seriously and looking at trends and it ended up growing and I ended up moving out. Very proud of myself. Uh, and then I got my first brand deal and it kind of, you know, moved into a full-time role and it's kind of just been like going ever since. Um, and, you know, Sharon and I met in university and she was kind of in the, like, she liked YouTube. Yeah. I feel and like I, <laughs> I remember our first, when we first met, um, we were in university and we were both actually just like, we didn't have a great first year and we were um, trying to make some friends and we connected. And I remember like finding her Instagram and seeing that she had uh, a bit of a following and I'm like, so strange. Instagram just had come out. It wasn't really a thing. And um, I loved YouTube. I loved what I was like watching all the beauty content creators. And then when I found out like I was doing that, it was like a very like instant thing we connected on beauty, fashion, styling, clothes, shopping. So um, that was kind of like the the beginning connection that we had. It was uh, both just like a, a love for that for that industry. And I don't even think we knew of it as an industry. It was just something we like both genuinely loved, And we both really um, enjoyed it. It wasn't this like we were thinking like business minded, you know, it was just like burnout um, of love. And then, I mean, I guess we can kind of talk on how we got started. We were like very naively like, oh yeah, let's start a fashion brand. Like it wasn't something that we like saw, oh, Allegra has a following. Like this is really smart. Let's build a fashion brand from her following. It was yeah, I think like we when both loved it. I think when we first even came up with the idea, like I wasn't even that big like, yeah. on social media yet. It was kind of like, although I was doing it full time and it was my full time job, it definitely was still like very new. new. Yeah. And the idea of starting a fashion brand was very separate from being a content creator. Yeah. Where I think now with these influencer brands, it's obviously very, very interconnected. And it is with us now, but at the time it was like, it was oh, like two different ends. We're going to start a fashion yeah. brand. <laughs> and it was just literally out of love. I think it was just a space that we both felt very passionate about. And we were young. We were naive. We were like, it can't be that hard. Let's figure it out. And we did start. Um, we first started as a boutique. We were actually working with um, wholesale brands, kind of being like, yeah, we're, we're going to you know, have a curated selection. And once we saw the quality of the clothes that we were dealing with and like buying from, I think it was like kind of a why are we doing this? Like you can get these brands so many other places and it's not good. And the reason we wanted to start was like, we were having the same problems. We were buying the same white t-shirts and the same like one and done shirts from the H and M's, the Zara's. And we, we wanted to do it better. And I think uh, obviously uncle studios was uh, conceptualized with the white tee, which was a piece of clothing that both Allegra and I had bought like a hundred versions of they never stood the test of time in the wash um and it was something that we both felt really confident in so you know whether it was like for a date night or you know going to the bar we'd always come back to a white t-shirt we throw on a cool jacket on top or accessorize in the summer so we're like 
let's figure it out. It can't be that hard. A lot of Googling. Again, we didn't have anyone in like a network in the fashion industry, someone to call up or give us an introduction. And I think at that time, it it wasn't really a thing like it is today where there's like platforms where you can connect with. It was a lot of like cold calling and like driving around in like the boonies of Toronto where our like manufacturing industry was. So um, again, it was... We, we, we don't have fashion design experience. So again, it was just a big learning curve and we're like, it can't be that hard. And if we're going to do it, let's make sure that we're being mindful of the fabrics we're using and um, where it's getting cut and sewn. So that's where it happened. We think it to be like a sustainable, clean, but it was a, a buzzword back then. You know, we were just like, if we're going to do it, let's not put garbage out. When, so if you started content, creating content around 2011, 2012, what year was it when you decided to start the brand and what was your like following size or audience at that time? So um, we started our boutique in 2016. It was a very short lived um, little stint. Uh, It was about a year. And my following size on YouTube then was I hit a hundred thousand on YouTube in 2016. So pretty small my instagram i had this like really weird um like i didn't want my instagram my youtube to like be connected which like is such such a regret (laughs) um so i didn't even really have like i don't didn't even have 10k on instagram at that point um well instagram could have been for like private you know live yeah i was trying to like keep it for like just my friends because i didn't have any like thing that was just for my friends and like some select diehard followers um, I realized now that was like absolutely dumb and I should have been promoting my Instagram the whole time. Um, but so we started Glad Rags. It was called Glad Rags at the time. Um, and then we lasted about a, a year. And then at the end of 2017, around the end of November, we like really launched Uncle Studios as to what um, it is today. And so, yeah, even though there wasn't the platforms and stuff, even though it was harder to like start the fashion brand, but you know, you did have to go into the weeds and learn every single aspect of the business. Like, how do you think that helped you and gave you an advantage versus, you know, what creators, what could creators miss today by just tapping into one of these platforms um, that you were actually able to learn because you had to dive deep and understand the whole thing? Well, I think there's pros and cons to both, right? Um we obviously made as many founders do you make a lot of mistakes you you lose money with these mistakes but you you learn from them and you fail quickly and you'll never make those mistakes again whereas um now there's so many platforms that these more established platforms will they've already like done all the legwork and you get to kind of like profit off that Um, but I think there's a lot of pros to really knowing the business and knowing how things are made. Um, I'm sure Anne can obviously speak more on this. She really does handle our production. Um, I think again, like the difference here, and of course, like Allegra said, there's pros and cons. Um, we are legitimately building something from the ground up. Whereas when you do connect with these platforms, um, those relationships with the manufacturers are already made. You don't have to learn what a tech pack is. You don't have to go through uh, the pains of figuring out um, how to fix a sample and is this manufacturer trustworthy and how do you negotiate? Because all these things are sort of already 
dealt for you and you're really just kind of taking creative direction role in the product development stage of it, which again is amazing, especially if you've built a community and a taste for yourself. Um, it's a great way to kind of promote that. But at Uncle, I think something that is something that we are proud of is that, you know, we are so directly involved in our supply chain. We know everyone who we work with. Um, we know their names. We know what's going on in their lives. And um, it maybe has like slowed down our growth process a little bit. But at the end of the day, we know we are really building it from the bottom up, like a hundred percent us. So um, again, pros and cons, but it, it, it does speak a lot on, also like you learn about the industry. So if someone, for instance, you are working with a new platform and they might not be cutting you the best deal, you don't know because you don't really know how much these things cost. You know, they'll be like, okay, no problem. We'll make you a hoodie for 60 bucks. You don't really know what the rate goes for making a hoodie. So when you're working at it and you're building it from, you know, conception to product, you know where every single penny goes. And you also appreciate the process more. The end product feels so much more like incredible because you did see it from, you know, a sketch on a piece of paper to the final iteration of it. So, And I think what is also maybe different about Uncle is that we are building a brand that is a standalone brand and it will thrive and stand alone without me and that is the end goal it doesn't need me and my following to survive it will have it it has its own fan base it has its own you know lovers and diehard people that will always purchase and i will not have to be at the forefront of the brand forever and that is truly the end goal yeah and how do you how do you do that right like creators might be listening and like wait that's impossible like i'm the face of my brand i'm the creator how do you go about doing that? What does that mean that there's no crossover in audiences? Like, can you dive deeper into what it means that it would be standalone? So I think I, you know, I am the bigger, um, like I have a bigger following than uncle at this time. Um, and I think that's a really great entry point, but I think because of the quality of our clothing, the uniqueness of our storytelling and our creative aspects to our brand, once we have the entry point from the customer, they fall in love with the brand themselves. They get their product and they love it and they want to come back and they they want to have a closet of uncle because it fits their taste and their aesthetic. Um, and they don't really, they, they might still follow me and love me and love how I style things, but they fall in love with the brand outside of me. And I think it has just has to do with your product and how great your product is. So people definitely find the brand too, you know, before necessarily finding you. Yeah. I mean, I, that's like my favorite thing ever when I see like customers DMing the brand and then I go onto their profiles and they don't even follow me. And I'm like, this is amazing. It's the best <laughs> feeling, right? They, they love the brand all on their own. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that really stood out um, for us when we were checking out the brand was just like the production quality in terms of like, um, you know, clearly you guys do a lot in terms of your art direction. There's a clear like brand that's being communicated. It has like this very cinematic sort of like cool quality to it. And I think that kind of definitely comes across. So the next question that I would have is like when you were starting to spin up this brand, like you had mentioned, obviously it's it's a product of you and you're starting with some of your audience, but you ultimately want it to become its own thing. Right. So what did that look like in the early days in terms of like the first like let's start with. 
what products did you guys just start with when you launched, right? And what was like the MVP, the first iteration once you had had a product, like I think you had mentioned the t-shirt that you wanted to sell. What was like the first version of um, the website channel or what, what did the early days of the brand look like from that perspective? We've changed a lot. We've done many reiterations of the website. Um, we started with a t-shirt and then we had sweatpants and hoodies and, you know, the classic, like things that you can kind of like get your footing in with manufacturing. Um, it was also right at the time before capsule, uh, wardrobes were a big rave and right before Everlane, to be honest. So, you know, the white t-shirt was something that we started and our, our, our uh, offering at the time was very, uh, like what you would call basics. We had the tees, the tanks, the sweatsuits. And again, I think that um, looking back at it in hindsight, like it was the right thing to do because you got to figure it out, right? Like, again, we don't have the design experience. So building a t-shirt, the tech pack of that versus, you know, some of the tailored pieces we're bringing out today is night and day. So you got to start somewhere and having those like learning blocks of the basics helped us. So um, again, it was almost like it was what was in reach for us. And we did live in basics. We were, you know, building our wardrobes. We were just students and, you know, it, it, our, our taste was developing and it started with simple building blocks of your wardrobe. As we think everyone's wardrobe should really start yeah. out with when you're building out a wardrobe, we still recommend getting your basics down and then adding your personality in. So we, the t-shirt that we made at the end of 2017 is still the t-shirt same pattern it's still the same like it is our tried and true yeah um and so for us you know that really that's five years of the same product and i still have the same this the exact same one i had back then so i know i know that t-shirt lasts because yeah. i've put that t-shirt through hell and it still looks great and it also really fits into the story that we're telling with uncle as the brand develops is that you know you do need those building blocks in your wardrobe to then like curate your taste and our community is kind of like we're walking our community through curating and discovering your own taste and building your wardrobe to reflect your personality, your style, and, you know, the clothes that make you feel good. At the end of the day, the whole company's ethos was built on how you feel when you put on your favorite t-shirt. And what we were aiming to achieve was that that favorite t-shirt was from us. But again, it was really honing in on um, the way clothes when they fit you well and they're your favorite piece make you feel when you go about your day so it was basics but that's because basics always make you feel good they're like a comfort blanket <laughs> yeah you you need basics i like live in basics so I, yeah. I totally get that so it sounds like you guys started with the basics as you guys were getting the hang of like learning this industry that kind of allowed you to understand how to start like building relationships with you know different sourcing partners and manufacturing getting a couple products product lines stood up and then once you were able to kind of solve for that, land on a product that you really liked, you were able to say, okay, now we can start branching out, getting a little bit more creative, introducing new product lines, potentially working with other sourcers. Is that kind of how the evolution of the business happened as you developed like more brand and storytelling around that as well? I would actually say that the the pandemic was like a, I, you know, do I wish it didn't happen? Yeah, of course. But um it was kind of a blessing for our business because we actually, for the first time, got to stop and be like, okay, let's sit down and like think about, because when you start a business, you kind of, you, we launched it without any, you know, we just launched. We had, we're so naive. <laughs> no like big launch, no big launch party or anything. Um, 
we launched and then we just were like, let's just go like run. And we were sprinting until the pandemic. And then we're like, okay, why don't we just like chill for a second, stop. And let's think about what uncle is, what uncle is going to be and where, how we're going to get there. And so as everyone did, we launched a lot of like sweatsuits during the pandemic because that's what everyone was living in. But during that time, we got to figure out what we were really doing. And then come out, coming out of the pandemic, that's when we kind of, you know, I feel like the, the real brand personality has like shone with the cinematic videos and that really um, beautiful, high quality creative. Like that is the brand personality, but we needed the pandemic to actually get there. Yeah. And I think at that time, right before the pandemic too, is when that industry got really noisy. Um, creators were a big thing. And I think even the pandemic really blew up the uh, creative in creator industry too, because everyone was at home and like, let me pick up a camera. It can't be all that hard. Or, you know, everyone's in sweatsuits. You know, you can search up a quick wholesaler and put a fun little slogan on a crew neck and call yourself a, you know, a, a brand owner. So I think at that point it was the, the noise was a lot. And we're like, listen, we don't want to contribute to this noise. What is in the DNA of uncle that makes us special and keeps the community around. And that's when I think we were like, this is the direction. Let's go back to our roots, basics, pieces in your wardrobe that are last going to last forever. They make you feel good. They have some personality and they help reflect your taste. So Allegra, you have your own personal, you know, content for your personal brand. And given that you separated the brand, now you also have to drive the creative strategy for the brand. So you're almost simultaneously running two creative strategies, right? Like, how do you separate those? Do you sit as a manager in, you know, the creative direction of the brand and then focus on creating your content for your personal? Like, how, how, what is the dynamic between those two? So for my personal, yeah, I, I still pretty much do everything, like, I think of all the ideas. I do have like a video editor that helps me out, but it's really just like me. It's, it's how it used to be. It's me and my house making content. Um, on the uncle side, we do have a small creative team. Um, we have Anthony and Bobby, big shout out to them. They're incredible. Um, and so I manage them and we bring either like my ideas or their ideas to life as a team. So I definitely have help on that side because I think if it was, just me doing both like I just wouldn't have any creativity left in me <laughs> I would just be struggling and I think though it's um like when we're building out the strategy we know having the data from what Allegra can you know push well the content that serves well on her channel obviously we take that information and we kind of like bring that to uncle's strategy because why not? It'd be stupid not to, especially because she does have um, such a large and loyal audience. Um, and it, we're not at a place yet where we're, you know, directly working with a ton of content creators. But when we get there, we have all this like free knowledge at our expense so that we know what works, what makes it an easy relationship with brand to creator. And um, she also then has a lot of insight on how brands, you know, do some of their marketing, because she works directly with so many brands. So um, they are very separate, but we do do a lot of like cross brainstorming. Yeah. It's like separate, but also very intertwined. <laughs> no, no. So, so one thing, one thing Allegra is I, I know you had just mentioned that you 
like while you have Uncle Sue's, which is your own brand, you obviously do all the content creation for your own channels and your own platforms. So you're working with other brands as are, are you working and collaborating with other brands as well? And if you are like, how does how does that how does that work? And it's like, how does it work alongside your strategy with what you're doing uh, with Uncle? Because that's a really cool um you know, way to think about it? Um, yeah, I, I don't really work with anyone that I would see as like a full on direct competitor to uncle. Um, but there are so many other brands that I work with. I work with like beauty brands, food brands, uh, clothing brands as well. A lot of like, really, I do a lot of like luxury stuff. Um, so it makes sense. I just, I will turn down deals that are what I think are direct competitors because there's no better piece than an uncle piece. You know, I don't need to promote a brand because I have my own and I, I love, I love the pieces. Okay. So Allegra, when, when after, after you had launched and after you had started seeing some sales, right? Like what were, what were the indicators that like this was really starting to take off and what were the first semblances of traction that you like really knew that you guys were onto something, um, you know, as a team? I think just the, the feedback, we really, really respect our community's feedback and it was really positive. People were like, things were selling out. People were obsessed with their product. They would DM us to be like, when is it coming back in this color or this? And when you get that customer feedback, it, it just like, you're like, okay, yeah, let's keep going. Like, you know, people love it. Um, so the sales were coming in product. We were selling out of products too quickly for us to even be able to make more. And people were just, they were, the DMS were coming in and the sales were coming in. So we knew we had something special and, uh, we just, you know, we knew we had to keep going and we loved, like, we love the pieces that we make every, most of the things we wear every day are our uncle. And we knew at that point that we wanted to get to a place that your whole entire outfit could be uncle. And, you know, five years later, we can finally say that you can have an entire pants, shirt, sweaters, coats. We have everything now. <laughs> Took a while, but, um, you know, we got there and, and we're still getting that really great feedback. So, um, yeah, we're really happy with how it is right now. And I think um, getting also like, obviously, when you first launch, you're getting a lot of your friends and family supporting you as well as, you know, people from Allegra's community, but seeing people come back a second time and the third time, we're like, okay, you know what? They're not just being nice anymore. Like they like the product, they're coming back, they want to be in the community. Um, so I think that was really re reassuring. And I mean, to this day, we have some cut, like, a lot of our customers are all returning customers and we have some people who have been with us since day one and they shop every single drop. And it, it, I think that's really incredible to see that there is the longevity of that uh, customer journey and they're growing up with us. So um, it's really sweet to see. Just like they say that you can't judge a restaurant in its first six months, you can't really figure out if you have a good brand and product in the first like six months to a year because, you know, your friends and family are really supporting you and buying and that's amazing and they should for sure but it's when that kind of drops off and then you see the actual customer customer base come through is when you can kind of figure out whether or not you actually have something special yeah and that has to be actually kind of uh you know a little bit more difficult thing to suss out in in the fashion and apparel space because like you're working in a product that yes it's hyper competitive there's so many options for buying clothing but at the same time, anyone, if you launch your brand, you're like, hey, guys, I'm launching my brand. Everyone can 
buy a basic t-shirt, right? Everyone can fit another t-shirt in their closet, but then when they start coming back and coming back again, that's kind of when you know you have you have something because, you know, I'm sure a lot of shoppers, like once you find a brand, it's hard enough to find a brand that's like good and makes great quality products. So I think also from your guys' perspective, taking a real product first approach and making sure that, hey, we're building right, the right collection, we're building it the right way so that we are going to want people to come back. That's probably a really important piece because once you have a loyal customer, they're, they're really going to want to come back and shop from you guys uh, again and again. And we really value their opinion. Even when we're creating product, you know, we ask them what color they would like to see. And we take that feedback when we do ask it on our socials or on my socials. We do take that feedback very seriously um, in terms of what they want to see so that when we are coming in with product, it's not just what we like or what we think is trendy. It's like this is actual um, community driven data so that they're, we're coming out with products that they, they want to. What did you, what do you guys wish in you um, when you were getting started out? Like what were some of the bigger <laughs> challenges that you're like, man, I made my life so much harder by not knowing that. I'm like, let me get my massive list out. Um, I think Sharon can speak a lot on this because she does oversee like a lot of the production. I mean, I wish I knew like everything I knew now. I wish I just took that and like it could go back five years, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's just really important to know um, I mean, I think that there was, there's beauty in the naivety that we had when we were that young to try something new like this, but you don't realize how hard it is, how expensive it is, especially when you want to do it right and work with reliable, clean, ethical manufacturers. So I think knowledge is power, but there's also something beautiful about not knowing and the unknown and just like going headfirst in. Um, some things I wish we knew is obviously how long it takes to kind of develop a product that, and making sure it's good, you know, um, especially now that we do have a bigger collection it's uh, and we're not doing just like focusing on one product at a time. New categories take, I don't know, 12 months to really like go from conception to final product. It's not like this quick turnaround. We're not fast fashion where we can like bang out things in six weeks. It, it takes a long time and um, it's, it is a labor of love and you can't rush these things, um, especially when it's new categories, new fabrics, new fits. Um, and you see people, especially who work with like, you know, platforms, you see how fast they're doing things and you get kind of like lost in the noise, but I feel like I would tell myself, you know, uh, these things take time and you got to be patient and you just kind of have to fall in love with the journey of trial and error. Um, and it's expensive and it takes a long time. That's, those are the big two ones that I wish I could like tell myself three years ago. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, like we still make mistakes this day, but I feel like everyone does, you know, every, even if you're working at a huge company, like you're always going to make mistakes, but as long as you learn from those mistakes, you fail quickly and you just have to move on. Um, that's, that's the only thing you can do. Yeah. And like, uh, of course, uh, be okay with like making mistakes. I think like we got really, sometimes we were really hard on ourselves. Um, and I think we forget that like that is part of the journey. Like you haven't seen one successful business owner or entrepreneur be like, well, you know, every, every, uh, decision was, was great. And like, yeah. every percent success it's like you hear the you hear the downfalls and the ups and the downs and like just reminding yourself that it is so part of the journey like you probably won't see success if you don't have really shitty months and really shitty weeks and maybe a, a bust of a product like that's normal were, were there any uh were, were there any 
points in time that you guys like, like what were some of those examples of things that like didn't go your way? You were like, oh man, this went wrong. Were, were there any mistakes that like happened like a, you know, a shipment of a product that was like the wrong that development or anything else like that, that like really stood out and you guys were like, oh man, we got, we really got to fix this. We have. Oh my God, fun, dude, there's so many. But one that like <laughs> always um, stands out to me is one of our first pop-ups Okay, yeah, I was gonna say the exact same thing. <laughs> we decided to go into a new category and do a dress, and it was like a satin finish, but only one side of the fabric is satin, and the other side is a bit more matte. And um, it was produced by the same guys who do our t-shirts and our joggers, and um, we worked with them like, "Listen, um, can you do this?" And he, you know, he's, he's a business owner at the end. He's like, "Of course, like no problem." I'm like, "The fabric's a little different than what you normally use. Like, are you sure you're good?" He's like, "Yeah." You know, we had a ton of meetings, we figured out the samples. Um, but usually when you're making your sample, you use a bit of a, like a cheaper fabric than what you're going into production with. Um, so, you know, the sample was good, um, this and that. And we saw uh, a version of it and then he had to go into production and he was supposed to give it to us the day of our pop up. We get it. And he sewn the fabric inside out. So until the side out, it was the matte side out. And we did. And it was like a mess. Like the sewing the was a mess. Like, it, it was a like, mess. Especially with satin materials, like just, you sometimes you have to cut it on an angle for the skirt to drape funny. It was just like we literally like it was jaws were to the ground and we're like crisis control. Like what do we do? So um, we, thankfully we had done it in two fabrics. One of them was like a printed stretchy material, which was like a bit more of a basic. So um, we had products still for the pop-up, but it was like chaos. It was chaos. I was also going to say the one where we got the hoodies and the print was like five times what we had done. And we had like all of these hoodies that had like a massive print on it. And we were like, this is not what we wanted. Like it was just, there's been so many times like that where, or when we did socks and they came and they were bright, big bird yellow. Like that was actually pretty recent. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, we should happen. To this day, we're like, especially because like you work with manufacturers and you have tech packs, but it's not like you were going there to the sewing machine and being like, this is what I want. There's still so much room for misunderstandings and things getting lost in translation. But I think sometimes we get so honed in on the details, like for instance, that graphic that came up too big, we knew because in our head we wanted it smaller, but then we showed it to someone else, like, it looks amazing, like, I love the graphic, and we're like, oh, wait, so, like, it doesn't look too blown up to you. Sometimes, like, some mistakes we think is a mistake was, you know, you take a step back and you're like, okay, you know what, it's not the end of the world, we can still make this work, it's still cool, it's still on brand, but. And listen, sometimes manufacturers just, like, kind of do whatever yeah, they do. want. Yeah, they like, throw their own spin on things. So, so, <laughs> yeah, we like so are those, like, expensive mis lessons, or, like, given that the manufacturer does whatever they want, like, are those, do those end up being expensive lessons, or, like, are there tips for, like, creators that want to build their own brands to, like, you know, be able to set things up front to then be able to like have a resolution if this ever were to happen. Yeah. Like obviously the, the dress mishap was a very expensive mistake that we honestly, there was nothing that we could have done to um, other than like be at the sewing machine with everyone. Like there wasn't really anything we could do, but for example, we just had a sample come in and you know, the manufacturer had, has just put a ruffle on it. There's no indication that there should be a ruffle on this shirt, <laughs> right? They just did it. But I think Sharin has gotten really great at negotiating and being like, well, you did this. So the next sample needs to be correct. And that's when you can like 
negotiate prices and if they've made a mistake you know, you can get the next sample for free or whatever. And again, like, I think these are things that you learn when you are building it yourself is that, okay, how many samples does it take? What are, you know, the terms within manufacture? How many of the samples are you paying out of pocket? Or how many, you know, do they do because, you know, you're placing an X order with them? So um, there is a beauty in going through that process because then you know for next time what to ask for. You make these mistakes and you go, you know what, next time in my contract I'm saying, if this isn't followed, I'm not paying for the sample, you're comping the sample and I need a replacement sample. So again, I feel like when you work with a partner, for instance, and you're just like the creator, you don't see those mishaps um, or you don't even know really how to deal with them because that like that platform's going to deal with it. So those like which I think are like life lessons of like negotiating and working with people just in general, like figuring out how to come to um, a reasonable term that makes sense for both you and them. Cause at the end of the day, both parties need to be happy to have like a long-term relationship that makes sense. Cause they want us as a partner cause we're their customer and we, we need them cause we uh, couldn't sell. So um, there is an art to the negotiation and then kind of, when you get burned, you just have to figure out a way to make sure you don't get burned again. Add to that, I think just being for advice for people who are going to do it, go into this, I think just being very thorough and very clear with what you want. As long as you're just like, you have everything, you know, what you want and with your knowledge base at the time, being very communicative of that, nothing can be gray area when working with manufacturers. Like it all has to be very written out, very in plain text, like what you want. And if you've done all that, that's kind of like, you've done your due diligence. Yeah. You've done your due diligence. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a huge benefit that, that creators could have, which is the fact that, you know, they know that you have a brand and a personal brand and that this is a partnership. This is not just me trying to be a customer and trying to do a run and I might never come back. Whereas they see that, Hey, this is something that we're going to build over time. Um, and there's the opportunity to, to, you know, make this super long-term. Um, I wanted to ask another question, but I'll pass it to Blaine. Yeah. One thing I was just going to add in there for, for any of our listeners who are thinking about sourcing one tip that one of my friends who does a bunch of sourcing always says, like when you're meeting with your manufacturers, is like a hack. You want to like, you know, you want to get their phone number and you want to like maybe even send them a WhatsApp, like what you're up to during the day, like kind of build that relationship with them. So that way when you're doing a production run and you might be able to be like, Hey, can you just like take me down to the production line and like show me what's going on? Cause you're at like that friend sort of level with them. And that can kind of prevent these sort of like really big mistakes. Like you're saying, like if you get an entire shipment and they're all done wrong, you're like, Oh my God, like I thought I spec'd everything out perfectly. And Oh my God, who asked for these ruffles? Like, what are these doing here? So just these sort of hacks are like definitely really good when you're going through production to like have at the top of your top of your head. And I think like to echo that, like at the beginning, when you're building those relationships, you might not have that friendship and, or the trust developed yet. But I think something that I've always really tried to do is like, even when they make a mistake, like it's not like they're intentionally out to burn you, you know, it doesn't make sense as a business for them to try to burn me because they want my business. So I do like try to always like lead with like kindness and empathy like this. We are all humans at the end of the day, we make mistakes. And when you lead with that kind of um, attitude, you find that people are willing to do favors for you. So, you know, whether it's like getting a rush on something or, you know, getting a photo before it's fully done, 
um, is always super helpful. And again, you are working with human beings. So why not try to like check in on their lives too, not just like the day-to-day business stuff. So just how you had that evolution in the production, in the designing phases, how switching gears over to the marketing, like how has the marketing also evolved? You know, um, in the beginning, I assume you were announcing the launch of the brand and everything, but how now that it's a much more formal company, it's established, we know we're doing this for a long term. What does the marketing team look like now? Is this still entirely based off of your audience? Um, or, you know, do you have a marketing team there um, doing, you know, yeah, how has it evolved over time? So, um, yeah, at the beginning, it was all just, you know, me promoting. Um, we still don't have like a full on marketing team. Our creative team is kind of our creative marketing team. Um, and we have a marketing agency that helps us with obviously like all of our, all of our paid stuff. Um, but how it's evolved is that it was it was really just me making content and promoting the product at the beginning. But now we have people again, who love the brand and promote it on their own. We do have a marketing agency that, you know, we run targeted ads and, um, all of our paid ad campaigns and, um, the brand itself has its own social channels that we're doing marketing on, you know, on Instagram, on TikTok. Um, as I'm sure you've seen, like we've done big long form videos, which are, uh, a huge source of marketing as well. Um, so the, it's evolved from just being me <laughs> sitting in front of a camera being like, look at my product to, you know, it, a lot more people involved. And I think we've made an effort to do that even before Allegra used to, you know, I mean, one, we didn't have budget for models. So obviously Allegra was going to shoot and be the model. Like she was on our e-commerce page. She was the e-com shots. She was, you know, the editorial uh, face of the campaigns as well. And, um, even that's changed now to the point where, you know, we don't want it to just be Allegra space everywhere and people are buying it because, you know, it's Allegra. The brand is establishing its own look. Um, and you see that, you know, when we're, we're, we have our, we're building our uniforms, we're casting models, we're casting talent. Um, it is really honing in on the uncle look. Um, which is obviously heavily inspired with like Allegra and our taste, well, Allegra's taste, of course. Um, but we do try to like, it doesn't need to be Allegra's face on every single campaign anymore. Um, it, the product is now kind of speaking for itself. And I think that's really smart to do as you guys continue to scale, right? Because like, then what you're able to do is you're able to like grow, Allegra's able to like you know, focus in on what she's best at and creating her type of content, building her audience. That's always going to be a funnel back into the brand. And on the brand side, maybe there's people who like love the clothes, love the content. And, you know, maybe they're not into Allegra's specific type of content, but they're like, oh my God, these clothes, the content's amazing. The brand is exceptional. So it's actually, you're able to diversify strategies and build out these own two things where they're not so dependent on you and like you're saying you're able to bring in other content partners other creative partners and grow this as a brand that anyone can um represent and be the face of and share and it's not just like oh this is just about allegra right totally yeah that's exactly it um we actually had this conversation today we were just talking about our kind of like our tiktok strategy and you know right now i'm kind of like running tiktok or whatever but the brand is so different than me. The brand personality is so different than my own personality. So it needs to have its own identity. It's like, it can't be me commenting because then it just ends up being me. Right. Um, so 
it is a whole other personality on its own. And, you know, I love when people are like, I love the uncle content. And they're like, but you know, who are you? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I love it. So how does, how does that community play a part in t- like, how is it different to be able to evolve a brand off the back of the community? How do you leverage that versus say starting a brand without having that initial audience or, or community that actually cares and, and is here for a reason? How do you, sorry, can you ask the question again? I just totally blanked out. I got a calendar notification. <laughs> oh, good. How do you, how do you leverage the community um, to continue to build your brand? How does the community shape, you know, what you're doing tomorrow, what you're dropping on the next season? What's the engagement with the community like? So again, like we just, we get them involved. Like I still do vlogs. I still like let people into my life and they've been with a lot of them have been with me for like 10 years, which is an insane amount of time to just be with someone like these people are like, they saw me when I was like 18 and now I'm 29. And it's like, that's that part of your life is such a massive shift in who you are as a person. And a lot of those people have grown with us and with me and they were there at the, you know, the launch of glad rags and then the, the, the closing of glad rags and then the opening of uncle. And they feel very involved and as they should be, because the reason why we can continue to do uncle is because of them and because of their support. And, um, we just try to get them involved in it as much as possible. We really treat our customers the same way, you know, some brands, you know, treat influencers or treat whatever they, they get the, they get to be involved. And I think that they're very aware that the brand cares about them. Yeah. And I think um, something that, I mean, at the beginning, especially like I was the one talking to people on emails, Allegra was the one talking to people on DM. So I feel like they think they know that they're talking to a real human and there's certain names that we recognize now like that. I feel like I know them just because they've been shopping with us or I've talked to them on emails and then, you know, they come to the pop-up and be like, oh, you know, like that order issue, you were talking to me. So like, you, like human like making the uh, experience very personal and reminding that there's people on the other side of the brand, even as the team has grown, you know, we make sure that people know who's on the team, who are you talking to? And it makes them feel very um, acknowledged. And um, we take their feedback very seriously. So, you know, if there's order issues or fit issues, we ask more questions like, what was it about this that you didn't like? What was it the fit? Was it the fabric? And we take that information back and we really do try to make reiterations. I mean, um, even before, you know, this last collection, there was a pair of pants that we changed up a few times based off of the feedback the team, um, the community would give us. So it was the bloomers. And we did a few edits of it just based off of like, there's like the inseam was too long. It's too loose on the hips. It's too tight on the waist. So, um, and I think when we see, they see that we've listened to them, they feel even more involved and want to come back. So, it's beneficial for us because one, we get a loyal customer, but we are also improving our product. And it's a good, it, like, regardless of the marketing play, it's just a win-win for both. They're getting a better product and we're getting like really great, genuine feedback. For sure. I mean, I think you're getting Nike-like loyalty for 10 years, um, <laughs> customer retention. So I think that's why I wanted to ask. You think the community is so important and, and it shows there. It's very, very hard for a regular brand um, that is not led by a creator to have you know, a 10 year retention at such early stage. So as we're coming up towards the end here, um, I just want to know where, 
you know, what's next? What is the vision for Uncle Studios? What is the goal or or are you there now? I think, uh, no, we have a lot of goals. Um, we would love to open up a flagship store at some point, um, a place where our community can really like come together and get together and, you know, reconnect and read the books and, you know, do all these things that we talk about online. Um, we'd love to get into some more retailers as well so that more people across the world can, um, you know, actually try on clothes. Cause that's, that is a big thing with clothing. People need to try it on and, um, that can be very difficult with direct to consumers. So getting into wholesale and just, you know, growing the brand, growing the community, everything that an entrepreneur wants to do, like <laughs> those are our goals growth, but also, um, with that growth, staying very, um, like small in terms of like everyone who is a part of the community feeling appreciated and feeling like they're still part of it, no matter how big the community gets. Yeah. I think anytime anyone asks us, we always say happy and healthy. I think in today's economy, especially in like tech or even in the creator industry, you see like growth at like 500%, 300%. And I think it's amazing. It's remarkable, but is it sustainable? And I think for us, um, the slow burn is always more important. And we want to get our footing right as, you know, managers, we want to make the footing right in terms of our product. And um, again, we don't want to lose sight of why we started this. And I think with immense growth, you might kind of get lost in the noise. And uh, for us, it's always going to be important to come back to making sure that we have a good work environment, our community who's supporting us with their hard-earned dollars are happy with our product. We're still, you know, and we're building clothes that do echo that original feeling, which is like your favorite piece. You put it on, you feel so good. You feel like so much like yourself. And um, we hope that when someone goes to grab that piece, it's an uncle piece. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. We learned a bunch about uncle, how you guys started the business, where you guys are going um, and excited to watch the growth as you guys continue to grow. Thank Thanks you for having us. For having so, where, so where can people keep up with the YouTube, the Instagram, the TikTok, and Uncle itself. Okay, well, my platforms across the board are Allegra Shaw, at Allegra Shaw, and then Uncle across the board is at Uncle X Studios, TikTok, Instagram. Um, that's kind of where you'll you'll see everything. You'll get to to keep up with the brand. And if you're in Toronto, we are doing a pop up um, the first weekend of November, so you will see all of that on our socials. Um, I don't know when this is airing, but. <laughs> Yeah, I thought I'd throw that out there. Okay, well, we had a blast and thank you for for coming on. Thank Thank you so much. This is great. Thanks for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed this episode of DTC Pod. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love your support. A rating and review would go a long way as we continue to host the best builders in DTC and beyond. Follow and subscribe to the show and make sure to check out our show notes where you can find our socials and weekly newsletter. Visit us on DTCPod.com to join our founder community and access resources from every episode. We'll see you on the next pod.